down the near side by Robinson. 40 down the near side, 40, 35, 30, far side, 20, far side line, 15, 10, 5, he's in, what a play! Touchdown, Philadelphia! He fires and the ball is caught in the back of the end zone by Danny! It's a catch! I love Tom Brady. I think you've seen it all. The way the way it ended last year against Atlanta. You know what I mean? And then to be down against Jacksonville, you lose Kronkowski. And again, it's on your 40-year-old quarterback to pull pull another rabbit out of the hat. And he did. That's why you love him. At the beginning of the year, obviously, my goal was playing in the Super Bowl. I had even said that from last year's Super Bowl. It's crazy how the path and the journey took place and formed, but... At the end of the day, the end result and the goal is here. And I'm grateful. Now I'm here playing the Super Bowl, so I'm, I'm cool. J.J. is one of the best running backs that I've seen in the game in the last five years. He's an awesome competitor, and he's a he's a great athlete, and he's a hard one to stop. So we got to make sure we're on our P's and Q's and find a way to stop. If I had to call it right now, I'd say New England. Because, you know, this is a quarterback-driven game. You talk about two quarterbacks. I'm not taking anything away from Nick Foles. But what I'm saying to you is, number 12 is, in my opinion, the greatest that's ever played the game. And I will take him on my side anytime. Hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. I caught me on that one. Gave that in. Hello and welcome to the Grand Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you. Yes, you. Yes, you. In the game. It's Saturday evening. We're still in the Mall of America at 9pm because it's the evening of the Super Bowl and we realise we haven't actually broken the game down for you and brought you that. But it's been NFL honours this evening as well. I don't so think it's the evening of the Super Bowl, is it? It's Super Bowl Eve. Like Christmas Eve. I thought you said the evening. The eve. Oh, the eve of the Super Bowl. Sorry, did I say evening? I think so. Uh, it's just me being tired and a mess then. Uh, but it's been NFL honours today as well. We're going to be going through all the awards that were given. We're going to be going through the Hall of Fame class for 2018. And we're going to have uh, a little reminisce about, I think it's fair to say, the day we had the time of our lives. No had the time of my life. Ollie is not reacting at all. Never He's just sat there with his arms crossed, looking like a misery guts. We've just spent ten hours with the greatest man we've ever met. What's your problem? It's over. Oh, are you feeling a little bit morose? Pat. Ollie also gained a new nickname today, didn't you? Yeah, sticky. sticky. <laughs> uh, it was named after his love of sticky Japanese wings and nothing else. Oh, those I promise. Japanese wings were unreal, Absolutely. weren't they? Just incredible. One of the best things I've ever. Oh my eaten. god! Really? Boneless uh, Japanese sticky wings with a teriyaki glaze. Do you remember the tuna things that we had just before that, which yeah. were incredible as well? They, they, just were, they were a real pick me up after four hours on the ice. Ice fishing without yeah. catching a single, single thing. thing. <laughs> uh, we've, yes, we've had a great day today, but tomorrow it is the Super Bowl, so we're going to be breaking that down. No guests today, just the three of us on Radio Row having a chat. <laughs> and it literally is just the three of us on Radio <laughs> Row. <laughs> I, was, I was almost annoyed earlier when Paolo Bandini tweeted a thing saying that Nat Coombs was the last man standing on Radio Row. I'm like, hold on. We can be back there in yeah. six hours doing a show. Yeah. We're the last men standing, really. Yeah, get lost, Paolo. Should we start off by talking about our day before we talk about the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we were picked up at 9.30 by Pat. Now, regular listeners will remember Pat from and Cody and Hannah, of course, from New Orleans. We met them on that magical night out, and Pat promised us he was going to take us ice fishing. What are you doing with your phone? And I was looking at an Instagram story. <laughs> I didn't realize it was on. <laughs> you were looking at an Instagram story while we were doing the show. Thanks, buddy. Good to know you're engaged. Well, no, just I knew you were going on your patch spiel. <laughs> well, you're, 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 you're oh, your patch spiels. spielman. Uh, good, yeah. good. We don't so, support Max on the World Gavin Show, mate. All right, buddy. Thanks. So uh, we were hanging out with Pat. We picked us up at 9.30. He promised us back in New Orleans he'd take us ice fishing. And sometimes when you meet a man or a woman, just a person in general, they'll make a promise. They'll be like, yeah, if you're ever in dot, 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 look me up. We'll do something. We'll... He's followed through in the biggest way humanly possible. Not only did Pat pick us up to go ice fishing in his truck at 9.30 this morning, loaded with local beers. 
Yeah. With a selection of meats, cheeses, yep, uh, yep. a pasta salad he'd made. Uh, oh. The pasta salad he'd made was outstanding. It was outstanding, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> outstanding. Really um, with desserts, with yep, uh, yep. all of the gear we needed to go fishing. It was fantastic. <sighs> and we picked up his buddy Ninja as well, who was less of a ninja and more of an assassin, as we dubbed him, because this guy was silent but deadly, not like a fart, for the first... 20 minutes he was in the car and then he just started picking people apart yeah, left did. right and centre he was this uh, Australian Sri Lankan chap and he was one of the funniest guys I've met in a long time so he kept things going as great well great moustache as well great moustache Out- as well outstanding like, moustache moustache shouldn't really be worn just on their own but he pulled it off he was a doctor he was intelligent he's, no, he's still he a was doctor. funny he's what a still guy funny. he's oh, still he's intelligent <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are, well, he's not dead. Well. Unless something really <laughs> negative has happened in the four hours since we've left him, but Lord hoping it hasn't. Although Pat hasn't texted us to tell us he's home safe. Can somebody just drop him a line and make yeah, sure he is? Well, no, we st- he said it would take like an hour and a quarter, and the roads are bad out there. Horrifically so, bad. Yeah, terribly bad. We saw, we almost saw an accident. That was that was. Oh amazing. my god! The person started. What's it called? Jackknifing. Um, tail finning. Tail. F- Fish tailing. Fish tailing. <laughs> anyway, they started sliding all over the ice and nearly lost control and ploughed into about three other cars. That was terrifying. But he picked us up. We went and picked up Ninja. We went and met, met Uncle Dave. And then we drove out onto the ice. And I literally mean driving on the ice yeah, on with, with the two doors wide, wide open, open because you had to have them open despite it being minus 20 outside with the wind chill because if the ice cracked too much and we started to go through it we had to be able to bail quickly yeah. an army roll out of the car <laughs> <laughs> and you could hear it cracking underneath yeah. da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. it was absolutely terrifying but also incredibly awesome they took us out onto the lake there was the ice house out there. Ice house. A trailer that dropped straight onto the so ice warm with a heater. That had five fishing holes inside the ice house. Yeah, more like, fishing holes, but uh, we, we had five open. Yeah. There were loads of other fishing holes. Yeah, well, this is it. So let's, yeah. let's, in there. let's talk about the fishing holes that we created. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> we got to bore some fishing holes out on the open ice. It was freezing cold. How did you do it? It was windy. Well, were you good? Well, no, I, I didn't. It wasn't that it wasn't good. It wasn't like it was a thing about being good. This is what Sherry seems to have misunderstood. The first one, it got caught in the ice. And when the, uh, Dave took over, who is an experienced ice fisher, he also struggled with the same thing. So you would have struggled with The first with that one is not what I'm referring to, Will, and you do it. <laughs> but with the second one, I switched from the electric to the gas. It was all going swimmingly. <laughs> I bored all the way down. I thought, this is going like great. I better look fantastic. Ollie's taking a video. Turns out he wasn't taking a video. He was taking a, a, a uh, what they called a, a burst. burst of pictures. <laughs> I took about 200 pictures. <laughs> so we had to turn it into a GIF <laughs> instead of turning it into a video. But well, as, as, it hit the, as it hit the moment where it went through the bottom of the ice... The machine plunged down, <laughs> the actual body of the machine rather than the drill hit the ice and essentially spanned me, <laughs> flinging me away from the machine and across the ice on my back like some kind of stranded turtle. One of the best things I've ever seen. It was very funny. If you've not seen the gif, I have tweeted it from at Will Gav, so you can go there getting, and see it. It'll be getting tweeted from Gridiron in the morning. I'm sure it will. Be, I think you should save tweeting it from Gridiron until... Somebody makes a horrendous game-losing mistake. I'm just going to say, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Let's hope one of the teams doesn't have a day like our Will. I had a great day. I just had that one big issue. That momentary lapse. Uh, But then we went in, we ice-fished. It was bleak. From the ice-fishing perspective, the the chat and the fun we had. Dave was brilliant. Chad, his... uh, cousin-in-law i guess it counts as yeah yeah uh was uh, was brilliant and they, we had a great time i genuinely uh, and also if anybody ever has the opportunity to drink beer's ice fishing it redefines the taste of alcohol oh it's so it's cold extra cold yeah. it's oh it's just heaven it was heaven it was heaven no fish is caught but that was fine then we drove back to st paul's dropped off ninja who was so australian most Australian yeah, man I've ever met. Yeah, incredible. Dropped him off, and then we went for an amazing Japanese beer, Japanese lager. How good was that lager? Oh, it was the best lager. In, a, in Fitzgerald's, which was an Irish pub that was more like a hotel bar. Yeah. Uh, props to Will Gavin for that one. And then 
we went to Red Cow. I mean, we didn't, we did, we didn't mention... Uh, I, I was going to mention the, the great joke from inside the ice house, but I remember to, if, if we were going to mention the second great joke of the day, we'd have to start talking about things which made you be unsuitable for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100% <laughs> unsuitable for the podcast. So then we went to Red Cow, hoping for steaks, getting disappointed that there were no steaks there. But then the burgers... I had the best wings I've ever had in my life and the best burger I've ever had in my life. Oh, and It was incredible. And the mac and cheese was pretty good as mac well. Mac and cheese it was, was great. It, it was, was all super. It and was it was super. all done in the company of one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. Pat, and Pat, let's just, let's just put this out there. Pat is the greatest human being of all time. He's given up his life to look after his grandfather who has dementia. He's moved a ninety thousand pound a year job. He thought he's, he was going to be two from months. California yep. to Minnesota. He thought it was going to be two months. He's been here for three years, and he's just said to us, "I really want to do another year because I, I love." Do the you know time what? I almost cried, and I'm, I'm welling up now. Yes. It's just it is the ultimate sacrifice. It is the ultimate sacrifice. But it's not. It's not even a sacrifice because it never feels wants, like it. And any he wants point. to do it. it. It's just incredible. And you you summed it up perfectly when we left the car when he came and dropped us off at the Mall of America's so that we could come and sw- uh, talk to you now. Matt Sherry, how did you sum it up? Because it, it was perfect. He gave us all a wonderful hug. A day with Pat leaves you feeling two emotions in equal percentage. Utter happiness and raging guilt. <laughs> because he's so much better a human being than you are. I think if you put all of our good qualities together around this table, we're not even a half of what Pat is. I was going to go for a third when he started that analogy. I don't think we're a tenth. <laughs> a hundred. Honestly. And I know we've been banging on about Pat, but... He's worth banging on and about. And he did all of this out of the goodness of his heart, and we didn't pay him a penny. We did buy him dinner. We bought him dinner, but that's not the point. He just—he didn't know we were going to buy him dinner. And, and he desperately tried to stop us buying him dinner. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, moments. you know. What a wonderful guy. He loved his sights. So. Anyway, from, from Pat he's coming, to... He's coming over to Europe in the summer, probably, and I cannot wait to spend some time with him. In fact, I want... Listeners, he took us ice fishing. What on earth do we do with him in England that is in any yeah. way equatable? Something he couldn't do in life normally. At Gridiron on Twitter, let us know. How do we keep the greatest man alive? Because the problem is, whatever we did, it wouldn't matter if we just went down our grubby local pub. He would have a great time. And everybody would love An insanely positive human yeah. being. Yeah. And not that annoyingly insanely positive, just actually genuinely positive. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love the man. I mean, the first time I met Pat, I had a two and a half com- hour conversation with him about topics that I've barely spoken to anybody else about. So what we're saying is he's also got the patience of a saint. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come on, Ollie. That was really good. Really Ollie, Ollie is just—he's completely checked out. He's in a dark. Place. I've, I've got into a whimsical world watching the Ferris wheel go round, and some kind of weird analogy and metaphor for my life compared to Pat's. Uh, so yes, I've I've gone deep and dark. <laughs> Should we get get uh, shallow and light and talk about? the NFL very well <laughs> great stuff right let's talk start off by talking about the honours and the new Hall of Fame class which side of that do you want to start on guys there are a few bits of other NFL news but uh, uh, they were just a few little sn- snippets I like from Radio Row well let's go from one bona fide Hall of Famer in Pat to the NFL's Hall of Fame yeah alright I love that that's, that's just great Ollie that's first ballot in the Hall of Fame of life the uh, <laughs> 100% he should, be, should be in there now. <laughs> should, we, should we buy him a gold jacket when he comes to England? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, brilliant. The Hall of Fame class for 2018 has been announced. First of all, if you listen to the other pod that we're releasing around today, you'll know that uh, T.O. was maybe slightly maligned on that podcast for his harsh words against the Hall of Fame. He's not going to be complaining this year as Randy Moss and Terrell Owens are amongst the eight men who will be enshrined into Hall of Fame immortality in Canton, Ohio this summer. First ballot Hall of Fame of Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher, both making it in. Brian Dawkins, the former Eagle safety, of course. Brian, Brian Dawkins and T.O. making it in when we've got the Eagles in the Super Bowl is going to be pretty special. And not only that, but Randy Moss making it in when we're in Minnesota as well. There's going to be some pretty big reception for all of that. Plus, Bobby Bethard, Robbie Brazil, and Jerry Kramer 
all named in as part of the senior class of this year. Fantastic stories, great roads to enshrinement, a particularly long waits for Brazil and Kramer. It, it's been... It, it's one of those, there are a few names that we're, dis obviously we're disappointed that someone like Tony Pacelli isn't there. there Ty Law. Some names that we're, Ty Law was one you mentioned, some names maybe. I was slightly surprised Brian Erlach is a first ballot guy. I always, I think he's... I mean, I think he would have been a first ballot guy in any other year, but I just assumed because Lewis was in, it would take him another year to get there. And in effect, they would just choose between the best middle linebackers. Hutchinson definitely should have gone in as well because he was insanely good as, a, as an interior lineman. Yeah, and, and I think these guys, I think guys with these wise all will get in eventually. But somebody did tweet us asking, do they need to extend it beyond five because of some of the great names in there? And I was just saying that I, I prefer it to Lee. And sorry, Bobby Bethard, not in the um, senior, in the contributor finalist, the former personnel boss who worked with the Chiefs, Falcons, Dolphins, Washington, Chargers, etc. Um, the I, I prefer that it's Lee. I don't yeah. want it to be, and I hate the thing it's where the it's like idea, with with like baseball, where you have hundreds and hundreds of writers voting for it. I like that it's a small group of selectors, and that they have to be the top top people. I like that it is a small I'm, I'm class. Not sure, I'm year. not sure. I love the, the selectors situation. I, I think I, they could be. I adjusted, think the fact that they've freshened it up a bit recently is is a good thing. Um, I I just think at times if you have the it just needs to be a broad mix, the selectors, and I think that they're getting there with that, but certainly previously, I'm not sure that was the case. But all in all, I'm pretty happy with the class. I'm yeah, Terrell, happy Owens, Terrell, Terrell Owens is a guy we've said the last two years, it's ridiculous that he's not in there. Um, Terrell Owens, by the way, and Randy Moss's numbers are ludicrously similar yeah. over a course of a career. And I think that's why he's got in, because they are very similar. They've both had some off-the-field issues, and... I mean, they couldn't not put Moss in in the, in the first ballot, as a first ballot guy. So I think he's actually helped Owens get in as well. But I, I think the, the key thing was Lewis, Moss and Kramer all got in. And they did that. Listen, you could argue a case for any of the rest of the guys. Everson Walls is another guy. But that's the same every year, isn't it? I mean, it's the Hall of Fame. Not the Hall of Great or a Hall of Very Good. Not the Hall of Willy Nilly, is it? Yeah. I'll just chuck everybody in. <laughs> Let's go with Willy Nilly. I mean, I quite like it. The person also came back and Nobody said... Got Willy the, the example that they came back with was Wes Welker, saying he redefined the slot receiver position and probably won't get in in his first ballot. And I say, OK, Wes Welker... There's an argument from as a Hall of Famer. I'm not, I don't think there's an argument from as a first ballot Hall of Famer. No, absolutely not. Uh, so, should it take him five years to get in, and should he get in on a particularly weaker class? Probably. There are other guys like Isaac Bruce, who really deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's going up against T.O. and Randy Moss, who are both in the argument for top five uh, all time. Who's in next year's class? Who is in next year's class? I feel like we, Ed, Ed Reed must be close. Well, we don't know who's in next year's class in terms of the... Um, People who are going to retire this year quite yet. Uh, there are some suggestions of, of who could be in there, but just have a look at the old 29. Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez. Well, those are two first, first ballot guys. First ballot Absolutely nailed on, aren't they? There's no way those two don't get in first time. Who else is, uh, is in that section? Champ Bailey? Another. Well, I mean, Bailey and Ty Law are basically the same guys. So I would like to see them put Law in first and then maybe wait a year on Bailey. But... It might be like this year where Bailey helps Bailey helps Law get in because ultimately they are very similar guys and if they're going to put Champ Bailey in and Champ Bailey is very much a first ballot conversation guy that maybe Ty Law gets in with him in the same way the, the two receivers have gone in this year. Um, a few other guys, London Fletcher, Asante Samuel no. uh, are, all, uh, are all kind of in the conversation and then you've got guys who obviously... Missed out this year. John Lynch didn't make it in. Isaac Bruce didn't make it in. Ty Law, Everson Walls. We'd love to have seen Everson Walls in. He was brilliant this week, and we'll bring you that interview at some point. Uh, Joe Jacoby, Alan Fanica. There's loads of great guys who are in this year's class who are going to be up next year. So it looks like another brilliant year next year. Yeah? Yeah, I think two, two, two borderline three first ballot guys and then kind of get, yeah. get some of these you other know, players. I can't wait. I can't wait for next year's Hall of Fame. It's easily one of my favourite times of the year. So, yeah, I, brilliant. I think the one thing I can't wait for more than anything else 
is, uh, is can you stop being in such a deep dark hole about the fact that Pat's not here? <laughs> I'm not, what? I'm, I'm fine. Hall of Fame. It's it's brilliant that we spend at least 15 to 10, 15 minutes talking about it. Why are you being so <laughs> arsy about this? I don't like. Why is Salty Ollie returned? He hasn't returned. Salty Ollie isn't allowed back for the rest of this week after Tuesday night. He hasn't night. returned. He's fine. Well, it feels like he has. Just relax, man. You're the guy who needs to chill out. Well, I'm all right. You better be. Hey, man. I didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit weird. <laughs> um, right. It's important to a lot of people, the Hall of Fame. It's very funny that Matt Sherry, by the way, just got some random Patriots guy who's also wearing a different Michigan 10 Tom Brady jersey come up to our, uh, our booth at Radio Row and point him and go, Nice jersey, buddy. And he really loved it. He's got a smile on his face. He's, never, he's not going to be salty for the rest of the day. He's going to be in the best of moods he's ever been in. A couple of bits of Ravens news before we get on to the Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, We've already spoke about the Hall of Fame. Well. No, 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 sorry. The, um, not the Hall of Fame. I don't think we need to talk about the awards. I mean, literally every award winner is exactly as we expected. Oh, okay. I was just going to run through them and make sure everyone was happy, but no. fine. Okay. Um, apparently, uh, the Ravens ended up... Uh, Nearly firing John Harbaugh after the season ended. Steve Bashotti revealed the other day he considered firing John Harbaugh after they finished 9-7. and seven. Came minutes after he announced that Ozzie Newsom would step down as general manager after the 2018 season. Kind of shows how close the Ravens got to parting ways with Harbaugh. John Harbaugh has not been the problem in Baltimore, right? No, it's been a, a talent pool that has been vastly overrated because of who Ozzie Newsom is meaning that everybody always thinks the Ravens have great talent they haven't had great talent for years now they haven't drafted as well as their reputation suggests mm -hmm. and that's been the failing just to interrupt that slightly Pat's home and he's just said thanks for a great day what a guy great guy so yeah I mean I think it's ridiculous we, we were discussing with Pat actually today who we he asked us who we thought the second best coach in the NFL is and we said it was between John Harbour and Mike Zimmer for us so if they had a fired him, the queue to, to get hold of him would have been huge. Vast. And, and that's telling. I mean, there, there is an argument that the Ravens are ready for a change of scenery, but maybe they get that when Newsom retires after this year. And Eric DaCosta, his understudy, who's a guy that every team in the league outside of the Ravens would probably interview for a GM post if it opened up tomorrow, um, it may change if he, once he takes the reins. Yeah, I think um, Harbaugh hasn't been helped by the downturn in Flacco and Flacco's hot, hot streak that got them to that Super Bowl, winning that Super Bowl. Um, it, it kind of elevated Flacco to something that he wasn't, and they had to pay him. Of course, they had to pay him, and they've kind of had to they've had to suffer off. To they they also need to make the decision on Flacco soon. Yeah, in terms of do they ultimately decide that he isn't the guy? I, the, I, I, think, uh, I think that's a conversation that needs to be happening in that building. I think when we were talking about quarterback needy teams for this offseason and there was a, it was a long list for this year, I, I think that we shouldn't rule out the idea that the Ravens should be, uh, should be looking at potentially somebody in place of uh, Joe Flacco and looking at drafting somebody potentially for the future. Or yeah. signing someone. You know, um, Kirk Cousins, don't, don't, Kirk Cousins is, unless is, they're going to cut him, they don't have the money for that. And it's a lot of dead cap space, isn't I it? Yeah, but uh, would Teddy Bridgewater on a, on a deal be interesting? Maybe. You know, sign Sam somebody Bradford. who could potentially be a viable guy you could get on a small deal to give him some competition. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule something like that out. Yep. I don't know if Ozzy Newsom's going to be ballsy. Unless the fact that he's announced he's got his last year left, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. And he, hey goes on, he goes on a full-on you know, Barack Obama when he was a lame duck president. He went, right. Let's start to push through all those drug laws. Let's start to push through all those immigration laws that we wanted to. Let's get healthcare sorted. Let's, you know, maybe we get Aussie Newsom suddenly turn into the rogue GM who actually fixes all the Ravens' problems, regardless of what the fan base and everyone else thinks. Yeah. I would love that. I we got a year of lame duck, uh, lame duck Aussie Newsom uh, just firing off guns left, right, and centre. That could be glorious. By the way, just looking up at the ceiling for the first time, really. Oh my God, it's awesome. Look at those. So above us. Hanging from the ceiling, kind of, I don't know, 20 foot in, in the air, are all of the Super Bowl banners, the posters of, um, of, of yesteryear. It, they're awesome, they're, they're they? I mean, the first thing is, is they're at least 50 foot in the air. Uh, and Maybe also, more. I've been talking about the World Week. 
Have yeah. you? That's my favourite part of the Super Bowl room every year. It's great, isn't it? Some of them are awesome. Have you seen the um, San Diego one there yeah, with the zoo? Yeah, yeah the 33 Flamingo. is really good. Yeah. Uh, I really like Tampa. It's that 35 with the uh, with the pelican on there and the palm trees. Look that's at Super a good Bowl 30. I, should, I think yeah. that's Arizona. Yeah. It's like great, these. isn't it? They are good. It's really good for a uh, for for an audio podcast. <laughs> this real visual feast of, of joy, isn't it? Yeah, that that's one over there, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the simplicity of twenty. Is that next year's? Uh, no, that's this year's, isn't it? No, the one on the right of it with the lights. No, that's L- last year's. Is that L- oh, it's just one Li. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's last year's. <laughs> Yeah, and then this year's is the one with the lights. This is yeah. the great concept <laughs> for, guys. Sorry, guys. Let's, let's get back. Uh, right, so Walter Bring Payton. Come on. Man of the year. JJ Watt, $37 million to Hurricane Harvey was always going to be. Tom Brady, MVP, the right decision yep. made in the end. Sean McVay, coach of the year. I think it's the right decision, but amazing that of the 50 AP voters who voted for this, Doug Peterson got one vote. Bill Belichick got one vote. Belichick, we expected this point. But Belichick but is just getting ridiculous. But at Doug this Peterson point. is ridiculous. Is the most ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's, what more could he do? Doug Marone he got should have two. Won it actually, Doug Peterson. Mike Zimmer got eleven, and I, I think Mike Zimmer's been brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, I, I understand why I think it's the turnaround is the big thing. But it's that one vote thing. One for Bill Belichick and Doug Peterson does sound a little bit on the harsh side. Love Keenan Allen being named comeback player of the year. Yep. Big, big fan of that. I think his performance, particularly down the stretch, was uh, was phenomenal. And, and I, that was the one that we that could have gone in a number of different directions. But I think everyone at this table is pretty pleased it's yep. Keenan Allen. Yep. We are keen on Allen around this table. See what you did there? Thanks, mate. Well done, mate. It's definitely <laughs> Bobby from our fantasies. Uh, <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. Um, do you, you don't. Do, I, well, do, do you pay attention to fantasy team names? I might just leave mine as Team Gavin or whatever the standard one is for this year. And I bet no one would notice. No one would care. All right, mate. It's obviously so, it, like unconsciously gone into your what mind. Am I, what of mine used to be Jones Drew Want Me Baby. How many people come up with those themselves and how many people look on funny fantasy football name lists on I websites come, I come and up steal with all one. of mine. And some of them are great. Some are great. And some are not. Let's some get on like talking that. about the biggest no, game. No, I'm finishing this. Pat Surely. Shermer, the new no, Giants head it. coach, <laughs> assistant of the year. Marshall Lattimore won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Alfred Gamara won Offensive Rookie of the Year. And Aaron Donald was Defensive Player of the Year. Slightly odd one is that Todd Gurley won Offensive Player of the Year over Tom Brady, even though Tom Brady won MVP. That's what they do, isn't it? But I do like him a lot. I had a great, great year this year. Considering that... He gave us some love when he walked past us yesterday as well. He did indeed. Six months ago, I was in the mall in LA, the same one that we were talking about Melvin Ingram about, where there was no Chargers gear anywhere. And they had some, the only um, pop figures, you know, those uh, kind of standing figures with the big heads. The only one they had for the Rams, I really like them. The only one they had for the Rams was Todd Gurley. And I wanted to buy a present for our friend Adam Farkson. I was like, do I buy him a Todd Girly one. What if he's what if he's rubbish season last year turns fuck. out to be rubbish again, and it's just a it's just a real shame. Well, you can guarantee they'll be rubbish next year because he wins something after a really good season, rubbish the next year. Then I don't think there's enough time for a for a trend to have emerged. <laughs> no, yet. There's a trend. You've heard it here first. He'll be rubbish <laughs> next year. Uh, good. Right. Should we talk about the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think it's probably worth doing. We've been here for seven days. We should probably talk about it a bit. Uh, good. Uh, the I, I, We've said this in interviews a lot this week, and we've said this whenever we've kind of talked about it elsewhere, but I think the big thing is we uh, came into this week, and I know Sherry's still predicting a rather large Patriots win, but came into this week thinking it was going to be a big Patriots win. I think when we did our magazine pieces, I had them by 12 points, maybe even 14 points, but... Over the course of the week, more and more of the experts, more and more of the former players, more and more of the former coaches, more and more of the you know, X's and O's analysts have been talking me round to the idea that, it's, that the Eagles are going to at least keep it tight, if not take it. I know that Sherry hasn't been won over by any of that, and I think that's partly 
that guilt, that thing of we were convinced into Carolina when we didn't think they were going to win it. And uh, <laughs> over this course of Super Bowl week, you can hear on our podcast us getting more and more won over, and that ended up being a terrible idea. And the same thing I happened with Denver, Atlanta though. last week. Uh, I, I picked Denver as well, but we were talked into the idea that the Panthers were going to be really good. But the difference with this is that the way in which they're going to be good, if they can pull it off and if their game plan works, there's no way that they can't. If, if they keep the time of possession and if they do get pressure on Brady, then the Eagles have every shot of winning this game. It's a big gift, though, isn't it? No, no I, they're two things that they've done best this season. I think the way the Patriots run defense has played in the two playoff games against similar offenses, certainly in Jacksonville is a great sign for them. Um, uh, the Jacksonville offensive line isn't that good. Right, I agree. Uh, can you let me finish? <laughs> Great. Is this the way we work? This now? is a conversation. This is no, a debate. I, I, I think it's an argument. This is how it works. I think it's almost off- like he's I never think, done this I before. think the offensive line is, is admittedly better in Philadelphia, but... I, I, I think it's much better. The right-hand side of that line is great. And at left guard, as we while we were sat here the other day, they've got a great left guard as well. Ryan Harris was telling us that he's one of the best players no, but he's he, ever played. He, he Brandon Brooks. He was also wrong because he's the right guard. No. It was the other way around, actually, Will. What? No, I think Ryan Harris did get it wrong. I was thinking that when sure. he said it. Brooks is, Brooks is the, the right guard. And he is and the he best, is player. He's the best yeah. player on the line. He's, he's superb. But, um, yeah, I think, the, I think the line is better. So... I still think they are big ifs, though, because a big part of that is still third down conversions with the way that offense is built. And that's where the Patriots, in the red zone, are very good. I mean, they probably will give up some third downs uh, in, the, in the game. But I, I, I just said to you guys yesterday with Nick Foles, I've never seen a quarterback operate in, in greater slow motion when his first read isn't open. So... I think Bill Belichick will have a plan for the RPOs and I don't think his first read will be open very often. And if that happens, I, I think Nick Foles will, will be in some trouble. I think, he, I think he needs to only do what Blake Bortles did, though. I think if they run the ball well, I don't think he's going to need to... I don't think he's going to need to play. Everyone keeps saying, if he plays like he did against the Vikings, then the Eagles will win it. I don't think he needs to play like he did against the Vikings. I think he needs to be steady. I think he needs to run the ball well, and he needs to not make mistakes. I don't think he needs to be hitting a 50-yard touchdown here, a 47-yard yeah, touchdown I mean, there. I think you're underselling how well Bortles played. I mean, he made some great throws. Bortles did make some great throws, but he also was all very, very structured. There was, it wasn't great throws that were yeah. made outside of the structure of the play. He didn't have to... The week before, he made a lot of scrambles. He made a lot of big plays in that way. Against the Patriots, they had a design, and the design worked well. And I'm keener on what Doug Peterson has done over the last three or four games than I have been of almost any coaching but outside the, but, of Bill Belichick this season. Yeah, and I agree with that. The, the other thing with Falls is, though, I, I, I think that's what they should try and do with Falls. But after what happened in the NFC Championship game, I think they're going to look at it and think, well, do you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to loosen it up, throw the ball downfield more. And that's, that, to me, shouldn't be their game plan against the Patriots, but I think they'll do it. And then it gets away from it. I mean, we'll I see. do think Peterson has... Uh, I know a lot of people have also said you've got to play not to lose. I think Peterson has, has shown across those two games a willingness to adjust game plan. Yeah. And that's... I, I don't think they'll be that stupid. I think that... I think Foles is experienced. I think Peterson's an experienced backup quarterback before being a good coach. So he knows the limitations of the situation as well as the positives potentially. I do. I, I believe the Eagles will come out with a good game plan. I really do. Yeah, they'll come out with a good game plan. But then they've been at Bill Belichick and the Patriots, have, and we've seen that over the years, have proved that they can adjust better than anyone else. Counteract that game plan, dismantle it, and then have their own one to to attack to, with. To, to attack with. And then I mean, that's been my very point all this week when I've been saying that I think the Patriots are going to win it. And I do, I, spoiler alert for the end, I do still, I am still picking the Patriots, but I'm picking them by a lot less points than I was two weeks ago because I think that offense is better structured than it was, than I, than I believed before. And actually, I believe that the Eagles match up better than Sherry does. Sherry's like, there's no way that they're going to beat the, sec- the Patriots secondary in... in yeah, in, I, I in, think in the Patriots secondary has a significant edge over them in that specific I don't, match. And this is where we could disagree. I don't think it's significant. I think there is an edge, but I don't think it's a significant edge. Well, I mean, edge. their second receiver is Nelson Aguilar. 
who he's had a very good year. He's had a decent year in comparison to what he'd done previously. I think I think I think Nelson Aguilar matched up really well on Eric Rowe in the slot. I think he would do well there. But they won't he played really the, well last week. They probably won't match up against Rowe. They'll probably match up against Butler. Do you think so? I know. Do you think I think Aguilar's been playing out of the slot, and Butler's not really been playing out of the slot. He's been playing outside. Yeah, maybe. Butler's, I mean, Butler's going to probably end up getting matched up on Tory Smith and and not see much of the game, to be honest. What about um, Zach Ertz? I think I think he is going to be a big problem for the Patriots. But the Patriots defend tight ends as well as anybody in the league, and that includes. I mean, they've not played a lot of great tight ends, but they shook Travis Kelsey down in Week One, and they actually did that with Devin McCourty. I've been Week one was so long ago, mate. I Pat don't think Chung. you can. I'm, I really don't. Yeah, think no, but you can because there's a clear parallel between the way they'll approach this game. Zach Ertz is Nick Folder's favourite target. He'll be number one on the shutdown list. What the Patriots need is for Gilmore to be able to shut down Jeffrey one on one. That's why they've signed him, and that's what I assume they'll try and have him do. That remains to be seen, but I think they'll put all of their efforts into stopping Ertz. And then they'll say beaters with Aguilar and Tory Smith. And if the Eagles can do that, then all power to them. I, I'm gonna, I, how, how much do you think the diverse running game, and a game that we haven't really seen much from the backs being, catching balls out of the backfield? It's been a lot of up the middle with a giant and Blunt, but there's Clement and there's Barner. But what they're also capable of doing, well. which, which where they really could hurt the Patriots, particularly with a giant. Is, is running on the edges. I mean, not completely stretched sure. runs, but attacking the defensive ends and He's maybe some cutback runs and that are off that kind of look. I think I think the, that is an area you're absolutely right. I think the Patriots' ends aren't quick against the I mean, the James Harrison has helped massively in terms yeah. of setting the edge. Yeah, you're he's he's right. an X factor for them in the run game now. Um, it's interesting. I mean, what the Eagles need to do is exactly what the Jaguars did in the first half, which is spread the Patriots out with horizontal play and their offense is built to do this anyway and then hope that that opens up some gaps mm. in the middle of the field for for a jai they I, need to and, run a jai a lot more than blunt in this game as well that's the other problem that i see the patriots will shut down lagara blunt without issues a jai is a different kettle of fish because of the speed at which he attacks the line of scrimmage he can get four yards just by doing that whereas blunt is, is a negative two yards kind of guy. They, they need to basically, in my opinion, forget about LeGarrette Blunt in this game. It's great having a running back shared during the season. It's the Super Bowl. Ajayi's a better back, just use him. I think, I think yes, but I do still think you've got to have some kind of rotation for freshness. I think you've got to have some kind of rotation for offering different looks. And the other thing is that the screen game for the Eagles over the two playoff games, Ajayi's caught six catches over those games, all of them from screen passes. The number of screens is up massively from when Carson Wentz was there to, to Foles being there in terms of percentages. I think it's up uh, from kind of 4% of place to 12% of place, something like that. And, and yeah, But so that's, again, not something I would do against the Patriots. Because the players, just, they, they historically play the screen well because the diagnose it quickly. I mean, it might be slightly different with that offense because of all those players that look the same and are slightly different, but I, I would be back in the pit. What, what they need to do is straight up get running backs against linebackers. If they had Darren Sproles in this game, more so than any player outside of Carson Wentz that's on IR, I think they'd be giving the Patriots much more trouble. Um, looking at the other side of the ball, yeah. and starting with that Eagles defensive line, and we talked about this a lot this week, how strong it is that you've got two sets of four who can sub in who can rotate in who can play in almost any combination you know uh, Chris Chris Long and, and Derek Barnett are starting defensive ends for 25 24 maybe rosters on the NFL maybe I'm being a bit high on that but certainly half of the rosters in the NFL and they can come in and make high level plays Chris Long has been brilliant Derek Barnett's made some explosive plays and they're the backup guys that is going to be a big factor when you think about the way Jim Schwartz brings pressure with just four. They've dropped seven into coverage, and it is consistently worked for them. And, and there are a couple of mismatches back there in terms of what the Patriots are going to get mismatches on, on the Eagles. Brandon Cooks isn't a guy we've seen a huge amount out in the latest stretch of the season. He was great against the Jaguars. He, matches, the best he, he matches up really well against Jalen yeah. Mills on that left side. That That's one that I'd be concerned about. And I think Jalen Mills has shown some flashes this season of why they seem to like him so much in Philadelphia but that is not a matchup I like at all and I, I, I think we could see Brady go deep quite I, early. And, I, and I think they'll do the same against Derby I mean Derby's the most aggressive cornerback in the NFL and, and they're always looking at the ball I mean there's no 
cornergraph back group more susceptible to double moves than the Eagles because of how aggressive they are and if the rush doesn't get there then they're in, they're in big trouble with that but listen, the, the rush probably will get there based on the Patriots have a history no matter how good their offensive line is and this year's is solid even without Cannon at right tackle of playing terrible in the Super Bowl I mean look at the last their last four Super Bowls the O-line has been bad including last year when they had one of the best O-lines in the league it wasn't good in the Super Bowl Seattle game it only got good after Cliff Averill got injured the two Giants games now that is a a meaningless trend almost because particularly I mean even the Seattle Super Bowl I'm not sure there's anybody on that line outside of Solder that will play in this game but it's a, it's a bizarre trend but it's a trend isn't it I mean it's happened and this is I think the most talented front four that they've ever faced in the Super Bowl so I think that's a slight problem but they've got all their weapons available now I mean they've got Gronk available Amendola's kind of become the Edelman type slot receiver so I kind of feel like with Amendola we're all, I, I've got this kind of prediction in my head for how Amendola's going to work in this game which is after how good he was last week there's going to be a lot of talk about him this week. And actually, he's going to be going up against um, Robinson. Patrick Robinson, who has been brilliant yeah, this year. Yeah, he's been amazing. I think he's let up the second lowest passer rating amongst slot corners. And that's ridiculous for a guy who is basically a, a, a veteran, picked up off the scrap heap and turned into a great corner again. But I almost feel like Amandola could be that guy who works as... See him moving on the line. See him actually making pre-snap moves, which helps Brady making his reads. See how the defense is matching up. If you see Robinson move with him, you know they're going man. You know where you, that you can discount half of the field. And hey, if they're going man, Brandon Cooks and Jalen Mills looks like a lovely matchup. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, the, the guy I think has a chance to be MVP for the Patriots who no one's talking about is, is Dion Lewis. Because oh, if excuse me. I had Dion Lewis as my surprise MVP in my predictions in whatever newspaper it was I did them for the other day. Well done, buddy. Well, <laughs> I, I, I just think if the front four gets there, it basically becomes just give the ball to Dion Lewis. Even if he's three yards behind the line of scrimmage, the only team I've ever seen effectively tackle him is the Jaguars. And... That was one of the best tackling performances I've ever seen in the from open the field, particularly when they uh, hit those screen passes. Was it the first drive, where the, or the second drive where they settled for three in the yeah. end, and they got, but they had uh, there was a mistake that got them right down to the red zone, yeah. and then there were two or three tackles in a row yeah. that were just unbelievable. And and, and I mean, you're not going to do that every time against Lewis because he's he's so elusive. So if the rush starts getting there and he's a great outlet Brady has never had an outlet that good on first and second down and I think that is, is an underrated factor the other element for the Patriots is the blueprint is there in the two Giants games against the Eagle of no huddle the Patriots don't like to do a lot of it as, certainly not as much as they used to but I think in this game seeing the success the Giants had it's huge for them. They need to go no huddle. It, it tires the defensive line out a bit. They're also the best team in the league at doing it when they, when they want to do it. So I, I just think no huddle, lots of no huddle, lots of no huddle for the Patriots. Yeah, and um, you say about tiring out that defensive line, but what everyone's been saying all week is the strength and depth in the rotation, and we mentioned it at the top of this, and, okay, it will tire them out to a point, but as soon as they get that stop or as soon as um, they're able to make a rotation, that's fresh guys coming straight back on. But in converse to that, the same could be said with some of the Patriots' offensive weapons. When you have Dion Lewis, if he's not being effective, you've got James White, who's basically the same player, just not, Rex Burkhead not as quite well. as good. Rex Burkhead is fresh. He's coming back Versatile. out. Coming more back powerful. Up. Exactly. So I think they match up kind of well from a strength and depth point of view on that side of the ball at least they, they do but it's it, it's the elements of it if you keep converting passes which you can you can do effectively in no huddle short passes then they're not going to be able to substitute and the thing is you don't even have to tie your own defense out because you can just muddle huddle it so get the get the line of scrimmage executed immediately Brady has two or three players looks at the defense picks the players and you may run the play clock still down to five seconds doing that, but you're stopping them from substituting and it makes a huge difference. So 
I'd look for the Patriots to do a lot of that in the game, and I think that I think that'll be one of the I think that'll be one of the key elements that we look back on and say that's one of the reasons. Another key element that people don't really talk about, and uh, I know that you're you've been banging on about it. I've been banging on about it. Will's been ba- been banging on about it. It's the special teams, yeah. and special teams is you know if, if the offenses and the defences cancel each other out. Special teams is where it could be won and lost. Turnovers come more often there. Mistakes come more often there. And this, the attention to detail, having Matthew Slater back uh, is huge. And Lorenzo Alexander said it to us earlier in the week that he is the all-pro guy and he looks completely back to his rampaging yeah. best. And that could be the difference there. That, that, that one player. But... The Eagles special teams are heralded by the Belichick. Belichick loves what they do. He spent uh, 10 minutes talking about them, wax lyrical, wax lyricaling about them. And, it, you know, both sets are very, very good sets. Uh, I mean, the by Eagles the way, if they, if they ever add a special teams spe- specialist to the, uh, to the Hall of Fame, which what they do is like they've done with the... Yeah contributors where they do it once every three years or four years once you've got the top couple of kickers in there and Devin Hester Matthew Slater has to be the yeah. next guy in after though without a doubt it. he's been that good um, see the, I don't think the Eagles special teams are anywhere near as good as the Patriots their, their return game hasn't been dynamic their punter isn't great they've got a very good kicker their coverage units are pretty good the Patriots are, are really good in every area now. Ryan Allen, the punter, has got a lot better. Mm. Goskowski's out of his slump. And most importantly, I've been trotting this out to you guys all week, but I think that a big reason for the Patriots being in these two Super Bowls the last two years is the change in the kicking rule, because as soon as they changed it, where the returns are 25-yard line, those two seasons, the Patriots lead the league in average starting position of drives against them. Now... That gains them yards in every single game. And with the way they play defence, the bend but don't break, it becomes a perfect cycle of complementary football where teams have long fields, it's a slog to get down the field, and then when they get to the the red zone, they don't execute and and they don't score touchdowns. So I just think all of those factors could be the unsung parts of the game for the So what we're saying is it's going to be in the trenches battling field position it could be and I'm really that's, do you know what that's I, know great that's, football. I know that's not going to necessarily bring in the new fans that's a game of football I'm excited to see I, I, I just think the Eagles need to play from in front I think if the Patriots get up two scores on them in the first half they're in monumental trouble yeah I think you're absolutely right so if that doesn't happen we get a good game good uh, I guess well, this is the time when we make predictions. How many times have we been asked to do this this week, guys? I've said the same score on every one. I've said Me the same too. score the last three days. I kind of wobbled and varied a bit earlier in the week, but I've, I've decided to settle. I'll go first. 23-21 to the Patriots with a Gostkowski walk-off winning field goal to finish it. I'm going to go 27-23 to the Eagles. Elliot with a field goal to put the Eagles four points ahead in the last two minutes. Brady doesn't get it done. <laughs> oh, bang! Sassy from Ali, that. I'm going to go for 27-17 to the Patriots with a garbage time score for the Eagles. I, I said something like 34-17 to the Patriots when you asked for the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was feeling very low after that, after the Jags didn't manage to do it. <laughs> If it was a regular season game, I would probably pick 40, no, 35, 70. Wow. Sorry, just very quickly, uh, how much of a factor is it that it's indoors, and who would that suit most? I well, the Brady's, Brady's indoor record over his career is like beyond the, a joke ridiculous. I do think it helps the Eagles from a uh, running perspective and stuff like that, but I, I think actually they wouldn't mind... The outdoors, the, the grottiness the, yeah. from their defensive line. Like the, the, the stat about Brady, as it was under pressure, like 43 and 44% of the time in those two giant Super Bowls. And the Eagles have the second most pressure in the NFL and bringing just four players. Guess who the other team, the, the number one team were, guys? Uh, it's who they beat in the other game. 
just to be clear, in case anyone didn't realise in the Jags. Um, all right, cool. That's fine. I just, it was sort of a well, question one, I thought we one, needed to ask. One final stat that does matter. Um, the Eagles' defence is 16th in the NFL in road, road games in terms of points allowed. So their defence is nowhere near as good on the road as it is at home. What's, what's their defence like on uh, does, uh, neutral field, though, mate? Yeah. Neutral field, <laughs> and you've you've suddenly started saying in the last day because you've seen a few extra Patriots hats. Oh, I don't think it's going to be that big a Eagles crowd. I think over the week, and oh, it's still even now, we're seeing a lot more Eagles fans. Than we are Patriots fans, and maybe Patriots fans are just more the types to stay back in their hotel the night before a Super Bowl. I think they'll be outnumbered two to one. We'll see. In less than 24 hours. Oh, my God. Uh, this podcast will be out on Sunday morning, so you'll be able to jo- enjoy it over your coffee, maybe before you have a nap, after you have a nap in the afternoon to get yourself ready. We hope you're going down to our party at uh, Bloomsbury Bowl Lanes. If you are, enjoy. And this, if, you're not, if you haven't decided yet, there are definitely still tickets available. There'll probably be availability on the door, but just sign up on the website to guarantee it because... I think we've sold another bunch today and we're pretty close to selling it out. There's no selling. Well, not selling, yeah. giving away. Because they're, it's for free, free, guys. It's for free. There's also a retweet and follow competition currently going on on our Twitter. Yeah. A really cool one, yep. Retweet, follow the tweets, you'll see them all over the account. And you can win an NFL jersey of your choice exactly. with whoever you want on the back. At Gridiron on Twitter for that. And of course, Touchdown Trips. Ben Mortimer, we caught up with a couple of guys out here with living Touchdown the Trips. And they are living the dream and they're having a great time. And they got a very, very, very reasonable deal compared to some of the other Brits we've met out here. So check out with Ben Mortimer, touchdowntrips.com. Okay, thank you so much for joining us, guys. We'll be doing on Monday after the game. We'll do our usual little collection of thoughts while we're in the stadium, particularly considering we're going to have our huge setup there. We might as well do it while we're still in the yeah. stadium. And we're also going to do, uh, on Monday, we'll be coming down to Radio Row. We're going to be recording a Nat Coombs show for TalkSport 2, which will go out on the Tuesday night. But we'll record something to come out on Monday, which will involve some player interviews that Matt will get in the locker rooms, that we'll get in the mixed player zone, and some reaction from maybe some of our guys. So, yeah, it should be a good show. We look forward to hearing from you then. Tweet us at Gridiron and follow us at Gridiron across the course of the uh, of the week uh, of the Sunday because uh, we'll be tweeting out loads of videos there's some fun stuff there UK Gridiron on Instagram all of that stuff I'm at Will Gaff he's at Ollie Hunter he's at Matthew Gridiron to follow our personal accounts otherwise thank you so much for listening and enjoy Super Bowl Sunday I'm so excited haven't done one of those in a while what about final thoughts any final thoughts Ollie yeah the last nine NFL MVPs and Super Bowls have all lost what NFL MVPs in the Super Bowl have all lost the last nine. Oh, season MVPs yeah. playing in a Super Bowl. Right, okay. I was like, what? the Super Bowl MVP was on the losing team. That's ridiculous. You had your mic turned off because <laughs> you coughed. Come on, mate. 12 of the last 13 Super Bowls have been won by a team wearing white. There's a stat for anything. Get out of here. Thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Hey, mate, it's me, your hunch. Cheltenham is here, and with Betway's four to win, we can get in on the action completely free. All we have to do is pick the winner of four races to win 50 grand every day. Mmm, 50 grand. We could buy our own horse. Next year, we'll be cheering for Monsieur Victory, or Sir Hunch-a-Lot, or Dr. Winderace, or His Hunchness, Hunchy Heed your hunch with Betway's four to win for a free chance to win up to 50 grand every day at Cheltenham. Selections must be submitted before the start of the first eligible race. One entry per customer per day. Full terms apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org.